joining Chris Hatfield, the founder and coach of Sales Psyche. Super excited to have you on the Sales Confidence Podcast this morning, Chris. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, James, thanks for, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, um, Chris, a large part of uh, the Sales Confidence Podcast is to understand um, the story behind a wonderful founder like yourself. Um, and what I'm really excited today is to hear about your journey and how you've gone on to develop what I believe um, is actually one of the greatest inventions for the sales profession in this decade. And I mean that, and I'm going to keep reiterating that because I believe so much in what Sales Psyche is doing and what you represent to the profession and that I'm looking forward to our audience uh, to learning more about the wonderful work that you're doing. Um, but just to start with, I'd, I'd love to just understand, I'd like to break the ice. What, what's the first thing you typically think of when you wake up in the morning? Um, what I think about is, I, what I now think about and ask myself is like, what can I do to be satisfied with my day? Like I, I try not to think about anything in particular, but I ask myself that question first of all, before everything else gets on in it. Because I used to, battle a lot of perfectionism um and i found asking myself that question is better because it's it's based on my own perception and it's something i can check in with myself each day um and every day it's different but it also makes me feel like every day i've, I've done something and as long as i'm satisfied with it then that's all that matters i like that perspective i, I just think it um eases how you feel about your own day um, yeah and and keeps you in a a more sensible state of mind. So um, that's that's great. I, I, I've seen you over the last two, three years really um, develop your brand around Sales Psyche, um, your thought leadership, positioning yourself as an expert in our industry. Like where, where does the motivation and inspiration come um, for you to embark on, on this journey that you're on now? Yeah, it's a good question. I, it's something I ask myself a lot, I have done over the years. I think I've always had um, just a natural curiosity. I've always, and I think this comes from my anxiety as well. I've always wanted to know, like, what's ahead, what's coming up. I was always told as a child, I was always asking, what's the plan? Where are we going? What are we doing? Um, and I think it's just made me into someone who is always, you know, curious to find out about people, about situations, about you know, how I can keep on developing. Um, and I think there's obviously a balance here because it's not saying I'm never happy, but I feel like um, I've got like a, I feel like I've got a mission of, you know, and, and we'll go on to this a bit later on about, and we talked about this uh, on the live session was around it being bigger than me. Um, and I feel like that's my kind of inspiration and motivation is that I know how much difference this can make to people because I've seen it from my own journey um, this is why this is why I get out of bed in the morning because I feel like I've got a duty um, to to do that, and I feel like you know with sales psych it doesn't feel like so much around selling it. It's more like why would why wouldn't you want to support your team in this way? You know, my first sales job was door to door. I was listening to Ollie Sharp actually this morning, and Ollie and I probably staff in similar ways. I I went for a job thinking it was marketing, and it turned out it was door to door. Um, I stuck around for two and a half years um, in it, but it kind of um, it, it built those kind of foundations around that as well. Yeah, I love that. And um, uh, especially for the, the sales listeners, I'm not sure how many people start today their career 
um, knocking on doors because I think it's changed. But I've also had my experience of knocking on the doors and it really teaches you that resiliency muscle and handling rejection because knocking on someone's door to their personal home um, is is quite a task and an undertaking. Um, so I can see that that manifested in developing that sales muscle in you early on. Like you, you've had an interesting career before you've embarked on a founder. Can you just talk us a little bit about that and what's made you successful and what you were focusing on in your career before you came out um, as a founder uh, and a, as an expert in um, this field? Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, I started off from universities first job was door-to-door, 100% commission only. And that's when I started to realise my anxiety was really impacting me, um, my mental health. You know, I wanted to, when it was really severe, I wanted to like lock myself away and not want to speak to anyone. I couldn't operate. I'd like to stop knocking doors the day, the moment it happened. And it really started to sabotage me, um, which kind of, and why I share that is it kind of led me down this route throughout my career of just being curious to understand more about the mindset, the mind, like what's going on around the mental health and well-being side of things. And I'm wanting to understand, like, how do I stop this just being a label that is going to stop me from being able to do certain things in life or thinking sales isn't for me, so I'm not going to do it because it makes me too anxious. So um, from that, I then moved into a uh, like training company. Um, so I was working with a company called Natural Training for about three, four years, was selling training and designing training near the end of it as well. And we worked with companies like Just Eat, BBC, Veeam, HP, Dell, Virgin Media Business. Um, and all those companies kind of gave me a real good insight into, um, you know, the business world and what was going on and some of the challenges as well. But also thinking, how do you fix some of these problems and that natural curiosity of wanting to understand it, of like when you sell training, you then understand, OK, this is how you should design it. But at the same time, also saw a lot of what was wrong with the industry um, around the reactive approach, around the topics just around skill set, not enough around the kind of mindset and mental well-being. So I left that company, uh, did six countries in six weeks as a bit of like a, a, a random holiday. It wasn't even joined up. It was Greece, Croatia, Bali, Canada uh, and Laos and Cambodia. Amazing. <laughs> um, and then came back and was like, right, I, I've been to uni i've done sports coaching i, I love the coaching piece I, i'm good at sales i want to find a coaching role pure coaching role and um ended up working for a company called payment sense a fintech company as their sales coach and then i started thinking you know i used to be that guy that would listen to all these youtube stuff and all this motivational stuff and would be like i feel really good but i don't know what to do with it i've got all this energy but i don't know where to put it in and i was like yeah. i want i want to create something um, and I'd always known that. So I started thinking, OK, well, let's start a YouTube channel um, and I called it Not Another Sales Guy as a bit of like a double entendre um, around it. And then was connecting with all these great people and then thought, well, let's start a podcast. So I'm always of that mindset of if you want to do something, do one little thing to kick it off, because the longer you leave it, the bigger challenge it will become. So totally agree. A day later, I started messaging people. Do you want to come on a podcast? Um and that's where Not Another Sales Podcast was created, which is like, well, 100, we just started Series 3, so about 130 episodes later. Um, and by doing that, I then started getting asked to come in and do talks and some coaching and some speaking and got my coaching qualification along the way as well, my advanced coaching practitioner um, through my podcast sponsor. And then it got to a point where Payment Sense said, oh, we want you to run the sales enablement function because we want you to do what you're doing outside of work inside work and I was like okay great I can do that um, and then when I was doing that 
you know, obviously the pandemic hit last year. Um, we had, we built up the coaching team from like two to 12, um, increased performance in some areas around 168% and reduced churn wow. um, as well from when I was working retention team for about 25, 30%. So we saw some real kind of tangible results from that, but I saw the business growing and, and all the time I did, we moved into new offices. I was like, but it's not mine. Um, and I was on furlough for about four months last year from April to August. And when I came back, I just started thinking, I know I want to do something and I know I've got something here, but I know it's bigger than me. Um, it's bigger than what I was doing at the time. So I started thinking about it and was looking at, you know, through the pandemic, it's a terrible thing that's happened, but I think mental health and wellbeing is something that's talked about a bit more now, or people are a bit more open to hearing about it. But I still felt particularly from the sales world, where you're three times more likely to struggle with it, is that it was still being talked about from a crisis point of view and, and there yeah. wasn't anything done around the prevention or education. So I was like, one day I was doing my six month review and one of the questions was, where do you want to be in six months? And I thought in the politest possible way, I don't want to be here. So <laughs> I came in the next day and I said, look, do you know what? And it's time I need to go. Um, and I thought I'd have to work my three months notice. I came in the next day and they said, you can finish tomorrow. We'll pay you three months of gardening leave as a thank you. Well, that's a fantastic story and some good generosity there um, from your previous employer. But I think also very supportive and encouraging on this journey that you've embarked on. And I think we're all grateful that it's um, allowed you to double down and focus on the type of people you want to support. Mm. And I guess that leads us on to Sales Psyche. And it'd be great to understand, like, you know, what is Sales Psyche? What, what do you um, what do you do, essentially, for those that are listening that have not come across Chris Hatfield um, our guest today in sales psyche let us know yeah so in a nutshell i suppose i explain it. it's a bit like a, a gym meets netflix for your mental health and, and sales performance is the best way of putting at it um and i'll go into a bit around why that the kind of mission is creating healthier minds uh, sales pipelines and vibrant cultures that's the kind of focus we have here is of course we're focusing on the mental health and well-being but obviously that has an impact and uh, a positive one on, on performance and of course culture which is even more important now than ever particularly in a more remote world so what that looks like is we've got two parts to the business we've got the uh, online uh, sorry live and on demand training subscription so it's like the gym monday to friday twice a week we do a prime your mind morning mindset session 10 15 minutes designed to help get people in a, in a good healthy headspace with some anchoring exercises some techniques and so on um, every Tuesday, we do a psyche session, which is like a 45 minute interactive workshop. So, for example, the last few weeks, we've done everything from understanding and managing burnout, handling imposter syndrome, what makes prospects say yes, using storytelling to sell. So a mix there of, of both types of topics. And then every Friday, we do an anonymous Ask Us Anything where you come in on Zoom, no video, and you can ask any questions anonymously, even to me, the host or whoever's hosting um, around that and then all of that content is available on a Netflix style library for people to be able to access and watch back because just like the gym when you sign up there's so many classes everything you can do and you can do it all and it'll benefit you but don't feel like you have to like just get used to some of the things and then build yourself up to it and that's exactly what we're looking to do with this and should people want to have a more personable conversation around some of the areas that we're talking about they can book a one-to-one -one confidential an impartial coaching session to come in and speak to a coach and it's not therapy it's not counseling and that's purposeful because one i think there's a lot of services that do that well out there but it can scare people off sometimes i think to go there and also people perceive they need to have a problem 
before they go to a service like that. We're kind of the piece that sits before that, working in a proactive way around the prevention and education, but also being able to empathise with sales teams and sales managers um, about what it's like to get rejected 30 times in, in one sitting or to not be able to get hold of prospects or to hit not hit target. So that's really it in, in a nutshell. And that's, and that's why I believe in it so much, because it, you're making it accessible to an audience that we care about, to an audience that needs it, but doesn't necessarily always want to come forward to those more prescriptive services. And the fact that you're also talking about their day-to-day job, which they're focused and motivated on to create pipeline and drive um, revenue and improve their success in their career, it's just a perfect blend. And that's why it's working so well. And it is working incredibly well. And there's um, clear results in the market. I just wonder, like, and, and you know, go big here. What, what is the ambition for you um, and the vision for, for Sales Psyche long-term? Yeah, I think I want us to be like, the Netflix of the of the sales industry is just part and parcel of everyone's home, as in home, as in their culture, their company. Um, I feel like it, you know, and, and it might not necessarily be sales psyche per se, but I want us to kind of get to that point where people are thinking of, of similar companies, if not us, to get to that headspace. That's kind of the mission is, I don't mind if you don't want to use us, but at least do something about it. If it's internal, great. And when I speak to companies and they're saying, we do this, this, and this, I'm like, perfect. You know what? <laughs> I'm not even, I don't mind that we can't sell to you because it's a good thing. Like, you know, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. Um, and I want to kind of force people if they, if they don't to realize that this is, this is something that you need to, to work on. But from our perspective, you know, I want to, I want to be global with this. We've started working with US teams already. I feel like this is something because of the format of it that is scalable and something that can reach out to people um, and still be tailored at the same time based on those coaching sessions. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, well, thank you for sharing. I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into um, kind of how you think about sales profession and sales professionals today. Um, so from your experience, and this is for our specifically our sale, aspiring salespeople, you know, on the line, what, what, what do you feel are the you know, attributes that make a um, successful or, or good salesperson? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones, and it's easier said than done, is, is self-awareness. Is, you know, we talk a lot about in sales about understanding more about our prospect or our product. But if you don't understand uh, truly about yourself, then how are you meant to really understand what someone else wants or what, how to position something? So I think self-awareness is key, is just being more mindful. And this is what, where I started to develop it when I was door knocking was I started to realize I used the analogy. I wasn't just like the character in my own story. I was the narrator as well. Um, and I could almost like perceive myself and see what I was doing and analyze it in the moment and, and reflect on that and, and tweak it if I needed to, um, rather than just letting things happen and then thinking about afterwards what went wrong. So I think self-awareness is a, is a big thing. Resiliency, of course, as well. And it's something, again, easier said than done, but it, you have to go through those kind of challenges um, and, and welcome them and expect them to, to build that resiliency rather than thinking it's all going to be, you know, happy days. And I think companies have a responsibility around that as well. So they're the kind of like two things. And I think the third thing is just building a, building a system, like building your own system, taking what everyone else is doing, taking your process, but building something that's sustainable for you and, and treating yourself like an athlete, really, 
um, in that don't just go all out just to win a race that you then burn out. You can't run the next two or three, really. Yeah, great advice. And I think, you know, sitting here or standing as we are in, you know, 2021 and really think about the qualities that are required to be a successful professional and to be aware of your mind in the same way as you've highlighted athletes have been doing for decades. Um, and I think top performing business people have always approached it um, with that understanding. But I just think understanding yourself and your mind is just becoming a lot more accessible to people. And, and sales psyche is um, also encouraging and accessing and giving people the opportunity to come forward. So I think for the leaders listening, this is an absolute must now um, in your organization as you look to lift the emotional intelligence and the quality um, of your sales team and that is going to lead to greater performance um, i'm just wondering as we kind of go into the final part of this conversation like how how have you had to like overcome your challenges with anxiety and, and gain confidence um in, in what you do chris yeah yeah i think it's it was it was tough at first and it, as, I, as i shared earlier on it limited me quite a lot um but i'm, I'm very grateful for anxiety now and i still have it um it's, ne it's never going to go and that's fine but i see it as serving me now um and i started to you know on that journey of thinking well what are the positives what are the positives from being ang being anxious what are some of the things that it's trying to tell me and you know sometimes it's like this doesn't feel right or what, what about this thing coming up and it started to help me be more proactive and preventative around things that when I did that and it stopped certain things from happening, I was like, oh, great. I'm, I'm really grateful for it. So it was like changing my self-talk and my perception of my, my mindset um, around it and realizing if I can't stop it, then just change the way I think about it. And it's, again, easier said than done, but that was, that was a big thing. And then also, um, you know, my, my perception of confidence is that confidence is the outcome of doing something. You, too many people expect themselves to be confident in something they've never done. Um, and I think it's courage that people confuse with confidence sometimes. And it's courage you need to go in and do something rather than thinking, I need to be confident to do this. Well, no, because if you've never done it, why would you be confident? But confidence will come from doing it. So if you focus on courage rather than confidence, that's something more in your control. And I think by doing that as well with my own mindset, I've kind of been able to put myself out there a bit more and think, well, I might not be great at this first time around. I might not be the smartest person in the room. Um, but I'm courageous enough to try it and I know I'll get some confidence from it. Absolutely. I think um, I often talk about the importance of um, understanding and improving your competency before you can actually have confidence in doing something. And I think every new person into the sales profession, but any person transitioning at any stage of their career has that um, period of time where they, they lose confidence. And actually, I think it's totally okay. It's expected. And even anxiety, everyone experiences it at different intensities. And for some, it's a lot more difficult. But all of this is often naturally letting you know that you're, you're, you're going down a new path and it's uncertain. And I love that connection, um, you know, with the courage just to continue uh, and have self-belief that things are going to um, work out or be positive and you will learn because... Our whole life is about um, being knocked down and picking ourselves up, even you know, from a child. And I, I think that's a, a great, um, a great kind of positioning um, and perspective that you've shared. 
Yeah, just to add you, on, on. On, on there, I think it's a really good point you make. You're going to lose confidence at some point. I think when it comes to confidence, motivation, our mental health success, it's realising it's not a destination, like it's a process. It's not about where you're driving to, it's how you're driving. Um, and the problem is we sometimes think when it is a destination, when we get there and we feel really motivated or we are confident or successful, we're like, yeah, this is it, this is how it's all. I'm always going to feel. And then when it stops feeling like that, we kind of beat ourselves up and go, well, where did it go? Um, well, it's it's a it's not an appropriate expectation to feel like you're going to always be like that. Yeah, that's something that I continuously need to work on for myself. And it's a good reminder, Chris. Thank you. Um, is there some approaches um, or tips that you can share for others to think about how they develop um, their confidence or, or their, their well-being that you typically advocate and recommend um, people? Yeah, I think one thing to develop confidence and resilience is just try try small new things that you don't mind you're going to fail at or you're not going to be good at. You know, particularly in lockdown, just try doing something that is completely outside of your, your familiar zone. I, I don't call it a comfort zone and we can come on to that if you want. Um, but do something like that. that You're telling yourself, you know what, I'm not going to be good at this at first. I'm not going to be I'm probably going to be terrible at it. But by doing that, it starts to build up that kind of resilience muscle and that that muscle of thinking do you know what i can try new things and not be great at it straight away so rather than thinking about it on something that is going to matter focus on the things that that maybe don't so much and around the um the mental well-being piece i think the big thing is is just getting used to talking about it is is finding someone yeah. um you can have a conversation with that you feel comfortable with that can check in with you and you can check in with them in a proactive way don't just feel i think too many people feel like Oh, when I'm when I'm down, I do this, this, and this. We'll do it even when you feel great. Do it on your best days. Still call that person on your best days. Still exercise. Still do all the things you do because that's the thing that's stopping you from going down to that sort of level and that place, um, rather than reacting and waiting for it to happen and then doing something about it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So do do indulge. You talked about the difference between well, you didn't share, but what's the difference between this familiar? zone versus comfort zone love to understand yeah i think um it's something that i've been thinking about for, for a few years now and it, again it's something that's helped me and a lot of what we talked about today is all about self-talk and i think it's so powerful the, the conversation you have with yourself can really determine the kind of lens that you see the world through but i think comfort zone for me like if 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 it was a comfort zone why are so many people wanting to leave it you know if, if you're in like a really comfortable hotel you would be like no i'm happy here but it's not so much comfortable, it's more familiar. And I think the danger of calling it a comfort zone is that anytime you go outside of it, you perceive everything to be uncomfortable and you then feel like I'm going to experience some form of pain or fear, which of course motivates our brain to think, I don't want that. So instantly you get that kind of resistance to it. And also when you step outside of it, you think, oh, I've got this really nice comfort zone I can go back to, which means you might not push yourself as far. Whereas if you can actually realize it's more of a familiar zone, it's not necessarily something you're comfortable with, you're familiar with it. It's a bit like if you cross your arms, cross your arms like you normally do, James, and then cross them the other way. Like it feels uncomfortable at first, doesn't it? It's just unfamiliar because you're not used to it. Um, and and that's, the, that's the thing here is by calling it an unfamiliar zone, a uh, familiar zone, every time you step outside of it, you're not saying this is going to be uncomfortable, this is just unfamiliar and that's okay. And then I can start to look at my familiar zone and go, do you know what? It's not comfortable. So it, it provokes that change and that reason to step outside of it. That's absolutely fantastic. I, I love that perspective. And it's so often the case that just reframing a perspective 
um, can allow you to relieve anxiety um, or just feel better about a situation or the context you're in. And that's a great, great tip. So we're, we're coming to the end um, now. I'd, I'd, I'd love to just hear... Um, this has been fascinating again, Chris. I, I really want more and more people um, to understand um, the passion that you are bringing to our industry and how you're supporting people. Are, are there any kind of final takeaways or a perspective you'd like to share um, with the audience? Yeah, I think a big thing is just patience with all of this. If it's from an individual listening to this and you're, you're wanting to work on it, don't expect what I've talked about today to happen overnight. The self-talk thing takes a while, but it's habits. It's building, it's starting small and just taking one or two things away from what I've, what I've talked about today and, and starting small, doing it on top of like habit stacking, doing it on top of something else. So for example, if you want to get more mindful of your self-talk and you drink tea or coffee, just stick a label on the kettle saying, checking in with yourself, how are you feeling? And it'll just like prompt you to go, okay, what's my self-talk saying? Like, or on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? Um, and then if it's from a leader's perspective, I think with these things, just realize that you, it's all very well good and good. I did a LinkedIn post about this today, telling people to start the conversation, telling people you've got an open door, but you need to be having that conversation. First of all, you need to be sparking it. You need to be setting the example rather than telling people this is what you should do is do it yourself. And then by that, you'll start creating that culture there. Fantastic advice. Fantastic tips. Chris, it's been so wonderful to spend more time with you um, on the Sales Confidence podcast. Um, sales Psyche and Sales Confidence are looking at helping individual sales people and sales team um, improve their performance and mental well-being. Uh, and something you should absolutely um, bring to your organization. Um, this is not just about improving um, people's well-being, although that should be a focus, but it's also aligning to business outcomes. And that's why I think Sales Psyche has got this perfect blend of positioning, expertise and a leader in Chris that's really going to make a difference um, to organisations and people more broadly. Uh, Chris, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. And I look forward to um, more opportunities for us to uh, chat and share um, our views on the world. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, James. Thanks, everyone.